This is the Flavor of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Clint Hoops. Together, we explore the unique blend of leadership wisdom that helps top leaders consistently achieve work goals, develop personally, and find fulfillment with family. Let's get started. This is Flavor of Leadership, episode number 35. We spend a ton of our time in meetings as leaders, which we may not always be super excited about, but there are many things that just have to be addressed and so meetings are held. That's that's how we often do it. It's kind of the only way, it seems, for us to be able to get people on board and hear all the different sides and to be able to make good decisions. A Harvard Business Review article that I referenced in the show notes said that executives are spending about 23 hours per week in meetings. You know, I, I wonder how, how effective are these hours in these meetings? Hopefully they are, and it probably differs quite a bit from organization to organization. And, and honestly, probably even within the organization, it differs quite a bit just by leader in each department or whatever the division is within the company. So, you know, work is not the only place that we have meetings. We also have meetings in, in our personal lives. We have meetings in our homes and in other different organizations we're a part of, whether it be a charitable organization or, you know, a church organization, whatever it might be. There are lots of meetings that are held outside of work. And so I want to talk through a couple of different scenarios about the meetings in our lives. So let's talk, let's talk through these scenarios. First one, let's, let's go with the home scenario. So in a home scenario, a little different than the professional setting, we have an opportunity where we're sitting down. I know in my house, I have young kids, right? We, we range from my our newborn little baby up to our, our 12-year-old. We will often have meetings or discussions as a, as a family. And so these meetings will vary quite a bit on, on their effectiveness. You know, perhaps you've had a similar meeting with your own family or or. Perhaps you were even babysitting someone else's children and you were trying to sit them down to explain something and and maybe you had, you know, varying levels of success in having this little meeting. I know for our little family, we may sit down and have a little family meeting. So it it may have to do with anything. And we may be just just wanting to sit down and and just communicate with our family and let everybody know what's what's happening and and what we're doing. And and it's funny how I'll look sometimes will be I'll look around and, you know, the older the child, generally the longer the attention span, not always the case, but sometimes it seems that way all the way down to just like the little, you know, two or three year old is sitting there. And, and I've had times where I'll be like looking at the two year old or the three year old and I'll be saying, okay, now just focus with me here. We just need to talk for about two minutes. And and before I could even, you know, express to them that we just need to focus for just a couple of minutes and then we'll be able to move on. They're already like looking somewhere else, like trying to find their toy or <laughs> trying to, you know, poke their brother or sister or, or do something else. It's just one of those things that it's, it's hard to keep, to keep their attention. And so I don't know, how did it go for you when you had these kind of meetings, even your own family or, or had a setting, but I'm guessing probably similar, hopefully better than my experience, but sometimes you find that it seems almost futile to even try or to even, you know, even do it. But, uh, you know, with kids that lose their attention so quickly, it, you know, sometimes they are paying more attention than you realize, but 
but man, in the moment, it can be frustrating to, to see them, you know, looking around and, and not staying focused. So, so what can you do to get their attention? My wife, she is really good at this. She's really good at helping to get their attention and, you know, we'll do all kinds of different things, right? Just to get their attention for a few minutes to have a little meeting as a family. Often you'll have some sort of entertainment, you know, something that makes it exciting. Maybe it's a funny movie or a song or or something that you share with them to help kind of get them engaged. Uh, my kids love to sing or love to do things. So we'll we'll sing a song together or do something to help get everybody focused. And then we'll we'll move on and then we'll we'll keep doing something fun to help keep the keep the entertainment factor going, right? Maybe we'll color or do a little act out. My kids love doing little act outs, right? We'll say, you know, we'll, we'll talk through little scenarios like, okay, hey, what about this? And and they'll act it out and they it, it's a ton of fun. You know, maybe we'll do some other activity or a, or a contest. My kids love contests, right? And uh, unless they lose, and then it's, you know, not as much fun. But but they'll, we'll have contests or we'll do a little debate about something. Maybe with kids, you'll say, hey, you know, do a debate about something they care about. Like, okay, which is better, brownies or Rice Krispie treats? You know, like something they care about, you know, and have a debate. Um, that can, you know, get their, get their focus. Or better yet, give them a prize or a treat for participating. That always seems to, to do a little bribery goes a long way, it seems. So that's what I think of. You know, I think of like kids and a family. It's You, you have to do certain different things in order to get their attention, get the focus, have the meeting be, be something they want to be a part of. So that's the first scenario. Okay. And now let's talk about the second scenario. Second scenario, picture yourself being in a meeting at work, or perhaps it's even a continuing education meeting or some required training that you need to do. People don't often get excited about either of these, the the meetings at work, or especially those continuing education or required training meetings. They think, oh my goodness, I just have to do this to keep my, my licensing or, or to do the required training at work, you know, to be up to date on something that was required. And so, you know, have you ever been in one of these meetings and you're listening to the person presenting or the person that's trying to lead a, a discussion, but it's failing? Have you ever fallen asleep in one of these meetings? You can admit this to yourself. You know, it's it's, it's tough. I, I know I've gotten to that point where I've kind of dozed a little bit and you feel embarrassed. It's like, oh man, but it was just so hard to stay awake. Or, have you had such little focus in the meeting you found yourself kind of unaware of what was even said for a while? You, know, you kind of almost doze off with your eyes open, right? Kind of daydreaming. And you're just such little focus that you, you don't even know what's being said. And hopefully it wasn't like in, you know, in school where all of a sudden they call on you because they see you're not paying attention. But have you had that happen? I'm guessing you have. I'm, I'm hope, hoping I'm not the only one. But what would you do? If you were the one leading this meeting and you just saw that you were losing people, this may have been you, right, as a leader, and you see you are just losing people, what do you do? What types of things do you do? How do you bring people back or or how do you not lose them in the first place? You know, do you have to find some way to entertain them? You know, is it, do you have other things that you can do to help get people engaged? Perhaps you had an agenda or, or you didn't have an agenda, and so people don't even know where the meeting's going. Is there a clear path for the meeting? Ugh, it's, it can be a little tough. It's kind of funny as we start going to similarities between the two scenarios with the kids and then also with us at work. There are some of the things that we can do with the kids that we can also do with the adults <laughs> to help focus. It's funny how similar they are in that, 
you know, the, the kids like to do little act outs. Hey, maybe role playing is something you do in a meeting to keep people engaged. Some people hate it, but really I find that it actually is pretty effective at times. Uh, another activity, maybe a contest of some sort, debate about something that's controversial or pertinent to the topic at hand, maybe to bring people's focus back or better yet, you know, give them a prize for participating, right? It works for the kids. Maybe it, maybe it'll work for them too. You know, these are all ways that you might be able to help try and, you know, save a meeting that's already off track, but how do you get the meeting to not go off in the first place? Shouldn't the meeting itself be, shouldn't the meeting itself be entertaining enough? Maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe not entertaining, but shouldn't it be engaging enough that you don't have to have too many of these, these little strategies that you would have to do with children to bring them back? I'm not saying they're bad. I use them occasionally. It can be fun to help you know, do something else in a meeting to, to bring people's focus in. And especially when the topic can be a little mundane. So I'm not against those things. It can be great. But how do we help make the meeting itself engaging? So there's a book that I love. And it's, it's another book by Patrick Lencioni. You've heard me use, you know, quote several of his books throughout the podcast. And one book that I love that I had mentioned in the past is called Death by Meeting. Death by Meeting. I love the topic. Or sorry, I love the title rather. And, you know, he compares in this book, he compares a great movie to a great meeting. And you think, okay, really? If I asked all of you right now, and he kind of poses this question in the book, what would you rather do? Would you rather attend a meeting or would you rather attend a movie? And most people would say, without even hesitating, the movie. Patrick Lentz, you don't even go so far as to say, you know, even a bad movie is better than a good meeting. And for most people, is what they think. Until you really get into a good meeting and how engaging it can it be. So let's go to a movie. Why is a movie more engaging for us? Why do we think that we'd rather see a movie than be a part of a part of a meeting? And as you start going through the different scenarios, you start thinking about the movies that you like or the movies that you really love, or the movies that are really good. Every movie, it seems, has drama of some sort where something just grabs you and you begin to get invested in the characters and you're invested in the outcome. You care about what happens to that person or to that group of people or to whatever it is that is the main part of the show. You are invested in them. You want to know what happens in the outcome. And you want the good guy to win. You want the bad guy to lose. And in the end, you never know what's going to happen. So there's conflict, right? There's conflict throughout the whole thing. Good and evil are often at odds throughout the entire film. And it just grabs you and entertains us and engages us and makes it so we we care. So, Patrick Lencioni says that, that we can do the same thing in our meetings, that we should be able to make them at least as engaging as a movie, if not more, because it's real life. There are real, real items at stake here, not just a movie, not just entertainment, but real lives at stake. The things that we decide impact us, impact our, impact our work, impact the people we work with, impact our customers. And those are real, real things, real stakes. 
And so, so meetings can be even more engaging than movies. So he says this in the book. To make meetings less boring, leaders must look for legitimate reasons to provoke and uncover relevant, constructive, ideological conflict. By doing so, they'll keep people engaged, which leads to more passionate discussions and ultimately to better decisions. So if we're more engaged and we're passionate about an item and we have passionate discussions, we will have better decisions in the end. If everyone's afraid to have a little conflict or afraid to uncover all of the relevant details because they're afraid they might step on someone's toes, step on some eggshells, it doesn't work. Of course, the meeting will be boring. If you're worried that you're going to step on someone's toes, man, it doesn't work. People have to be open to the discussions. And this doesn't happen overnight. It truly doesn't. Next quote he talks about, he says, when a group of intelligent people come together to talk about issues that matter, it is both natural and productive for disagreement to occur. Resolving those issues is what makes a meeting productive, engaging, and even fun. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Some of the best meetings I have ever had were the ones where where there were, you know, was a lot of conflict going. There were nearly tears, but there was also laughter. It was all of all of the different emotions happen as as people are becoming engaged and they start to care about the topic at hand. And they realize that the odds are real, the stakes are real, and they know that what they're deciding matters. So they fight for it. They fight for what they think is right. And in the end, they may getting through the discussion and realize, wow, that they were actually wrong or they feel like they were wrong and they can change their mind. And that's the beauty of meetings. It's okay to change your mind. Often I think we'll we'll look on the news and we'll see these politicians and the politicians are up there and, and man, if they change their mind, what happens to them? They're designated a flip-flopper and they can never change their mind on their stance, it seems. And, and I know that's hard because there are different times where, you know, I would agree. I wouldn't want a politician that I'm voting for to change their mind on certain topics. But, but maybe there are times where it makes sense. But it's not that way for us in meetings. In our world, we, it's okay to change our mind. It's okay to be persuaded by those in our leadership team to be able to make a better decision. In the end, as a leader, though, you're the one that gets to make the ultimate decision. Even if you still have people within your group that disagree, it's okay. That's your chance as a leader to be able to make that decision using all of the information that you have. I know that myself, that as a leader, I love that my leadership team will push back on me. They will bring up all of the different options, all of the different things that come to pass. They're not afraid to contradict what they think I might believe. And often they will change my mind and help me make a better decision in the end. Other times I may disagree and I may make a decision that is different than some of the people on the team and that is okay. And they support me in that. That's part of the magic of these meetings, but they know that they're being heard. Do you find that you in the meetings will shut down disagreement or conflict when it happens? Have you been in meetings like this? I have. 
I've been in meetings where the meeting just starts getting interesting and things just start happening. And then the leader shuts it down or whoever's leading the meeting shuts it down, shuts down the disagreement and the conflict right as we begin to get to the meat of whatever the issue is, which is so sad. It's so sad. It just makes people uncomfortable often to have that conflict. Does it make you uncomfortable? If it does, it's okay. It's okay. But you may need to learn to push through some of that uncomfortableness in order to get the most out of your team. It also takes some time for your team to get used to this. I had a uh, a newer team a number of years ago, and I was trying to incorporate this type of conflict, healthy conflict, into our management team. And I had a manager on this team that she was newer to the team, and she would get physically uncomfortable during some of our discussions. You would see her squirming in her chair, and you could just tell it was the conflict of any kind was making her so nervous. And even when it was very healthy, and we were making great progress on things, but this manager, oh man, it made her so nervous. She often refused to participate even when we asked her to. She didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And was afraid to take a side of some sort. And she was, you know, kind of took it personal. And she even tried to find reasons not to come to some of our meetings at times because she was she was so uncomfortable with the conflict. I'll tell you, it took some time for her to come around, but once she did, she realized that that what we were accomplishing was something great. And it was so much more than we would accomplish if we didn't have some of the healthy conflict. She found that the meetings were actually quite enjoyable and that the people that were passionate about things, they weren't angry with each other. They just cared about the outcome. They wanted the best outcome that was going to impact them, their lives, their customers, their other, their employees or coworkers. And so, so this manager, she didn't have coming around and began to participate and added much to the meetings. And so, You're going to have to watch as a leader, keep tabs on your people and make sure that the conflict does remain healthy. It can go to a hostile direction and you don't want that. And so that's where you're going to have to keep tabs on your people and make sure they feel good about it because you, you do have to have the conflict in order to make progress and in order to keep people engaged in the process. People should be looking forward to these discussions, not dreading them. People should look forward to your meetings, your discussions, not dreading them. If they're dreading them, something's wrong. If they're dreading them because they're too boring or if they're dreading them because they're becoming too hostile, you got to you got to have the balance. You know, in episode number 27, we talked about different types of leaders and we talked about how leaders will at times create a tense versus an intense work environment based on their leadership style. And what we don't want to do is create a tense environment where people feel tense, like they can't function and they're worried about things. We want to create an intense work environment where someone is is engaged, they're focused, they come prepared, they participate in the meetings, they're not afraid of conflict, those type of things. That all fits with this. So if it becomes tense versus intense, you have to watch that as the leader and manage that in your meetings. Because as soon as you go to tense, it can become unhealthy. And it's your responsibility as a leader to keep it healthy. So 
Why are good meetings so important? Seems obvious, right? If we're spending this much time in meetings, you know, the stat at the beginning, 23 hours a week in a meeting. I don't know what you're spending. Some people are spending that much time. And the meetings need to be effective. So Patrick Lencioni in the Death by Meeting book, he has another quote. He said, the hard truth is bad meetings almost always lead to bad decisions, which is the best recipe for mediocrity. So according to Patrick Lencioni, bad meetings will make, bad, will make us have bad decisions, and then we'll be just mediocre. We won't be able to accomplish the great things that we are capable of. It often can be attributed to bad meetings. If we're going to spend this much time in meetings, meetings are, then we need to make sure they're effective. Meetings are where the rubber hits the road. We shouldn't be fearing meetings or talking about how meetings are so boring or asking our people to just bear with us through these meetings. No, don't bear with us. You are the leader. Change the meeting. I find myself often having meetings get stagnant at times. Maybe they were once a great forum or a great discussion, and, and now they're getting stagnant. We need to change that, help make sure that we're focusing on the right things. What else can we do? Patrick Lencioni says, to make our meetings more effective, we need to have multiple types of meetings and clearly distinguish between the various purposes, formats, and timing of those meetings. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about and continue to go through this book, Death by Meeting. And we're going to talk about the different types of meetings that Patrick Lencioni recommends. I have used these type of meetings for, for several years, and they make all the difference in your ability as a company. He calls them different things, and you can call them whatever you want in your organization. But if all of your meetings are the same type of meeting or you're not defining which type of meeting is which, you're not going to have people coming clearly prepared for what they need to be prepared for in a meeting. You may be doing this to your team and not fully realize it. You, must, you might think that they all know exactly what type of meeting it is or, or what outcome you are expecting the meeting. But you can't assume this. And one of the best ways to do this is by defining the meetings for your people. So next week, we're going to be talking about some of these different types of meetings, define them together, discuss them, and then you can go back and figure out how to do the same thing with your team and accomplish wonderful things, things that you have not been able to accomplish in the past by just improving your meetings in some very small ways that will make your meetings so much more effective and sometimes in even less time than you're spending now. You got this. Until next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Flavor of Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at flavoroflearership.com. Thanks for listening.